From the East Coast to the West Coast, this is the Coast to Coast NBA Podcast. I'm Chalanga. And I happen to be Dylan. What up, Dylan? Nothing much. I'm getting excited for the week. Nice. Happy uh, Memorial Day. Same to you. It's actually my mother's birthday today, so uh, do you mind if we sing a quick happy birthday to my mom? I mean, it won't be her birthday anymore when this comes out, but it's her birthday right now. One, two, three. Happy birthday, happy birthday to, you. to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday happy to you. Birthday happy to birthday, you. dear happy Becky. Birthday. Happy, happy birthday to you. She's going to hate that. All right. Good. Uh, welcome to the Coast to Coast NBA podcast. Enough is it of- okay that I called her Becky? Yeah, she's Becky. She is a Becky. I met her once. You did? Yeah. When did you meet her? I met her when I was out for drinks with my friend Bobby Ragunanan, Luther alum. Shouts to Bobby. Her, and somehow I knew it was your mom because I saw her in photos from you on Facebook. So I was ah. like, yo, I know Chalanga. And she's like, oh, yeah. And I was like, yeah, it was very quick. She and was like, oh, yeah, that's my son. <laughs> How do you do such a perfect impression of your mother? I lived with her for 18 years. So, you know, comes naturally. <laughs> All right, welcome to the Coast to Coast NBA podcast. Uh, time to talk about some basketball. So first things first, we've got a Timberwolves update. Burr, 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 burr. We've got big news on the Timberwolves front. Oh. So the first bit of news is that there is a report from basketball insiders Steve Kyler that he heard at the NBA Combine that the Timberwolves promised the number 11 pick to Gonzaga's own... Drum roll, please. Brandon Clark. No, I wish. Rui Hachimura, oh. dude. Rui Hachimura. Who? This is my worst nightmare. I know. My my brother, Theodore Langison, is probably stoked. He's really high on Rui Hachimura. However, you and I, Dylan, I think are a little bit lower. I'm not that low on him or high on him or anything. I just... Okay, so I don't watch college basketball Almost at all, but mm-hmm. I do look at the draft prospects on YouTube, and I do look at the mock drafts online. Yeah, and in almost every one of them, he's going around twenty. So right. my issue isn't that like we're gonna take him. My issue is that we're not even considering moving down for him. We're promising him a spot on our roster. Right. You at know, eleven. It it would it would be very cool. It would be very cool if we could move down to get him. I mean, if if we move to 15, 16, 17, 18 to get rid of Andrew Wiggins and yeah, then take Rui. Yeah, that would be that would be excellent. The problem is that there's not really a lot of people that are that hyped on Rui, far as I can tell. He's his stock has seemed to fall pretty steadily over the year. So he he his stock rose at the beginning of the yeah. year because he took a huge leap in ability. Yeah, I remember and I remember hearing about him, even though I don't follow college basketball. Right. And then it became clear that he wasn't even the best player on Gonzaga. <laughs> and so his stock has been slowly falling um, over the year. So, yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm no draft expert, neither are you. But... What are some of his positives and negatives? Yeah, let's just let's look at this more objectively. So, positives... I think he is going to be a good shooter. He shot 75% from the free throw line, 
which, according to Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer, is a pretty good indicator of how good someone is at shooting. <laughs> uh, he is That's fine for a big man. That's fine. Yeah, he's like, he's six six foot eight, two hundred thirty pounds. So yeah, he's six got eight, six nine. Yeah, he's got a a bigger frame. He's somewhere between a three and a four, uh, which is what NBA teams are looking for. Someone who with size who can shoot. Um, he is a pretty smooth athlete. He's got a good NBA frame. He can finish with both hands inside. And it seems like he's got pretty decent passing vision. He only averaged like an assist and a half per game this season, but that wasn't really his role. Um, I was just impressed with some of his highlight passes, which you know can be deceiving. But there were some really impressive, especially interior passes, which I like to see from from bigger guys. He's also really handsome, and that, that the Timberwolves could just use some more handsome players. All right, all right. Let's <laughs> move on to the negatives. All right, so his negatives are: I'm not really sure if he can actually shoot. So his freshman year at Gonzaga, he shot 19 percent from the three point line. <laughs> From the college three-point line. Yeah, from the college three-point line. Granted, he didn't play that much. He was coming off the bench uh, behind Zach Collins. Uh, But over the next two years, he steadily rose his percentage up to 41% this year, which is really solid. However, he tends to uh, settle for mid-range jumpers. And I don't know if all of our listeners know this, but the college three-point line is a mid-range jumper for NBA players. <laughs> so, so short-range jumpers he settles for. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I and forty-one percent on long twos is Andrew Wiggins. That's what I was worried about. And it, Andrew Wiggins at least had defensive upside when he was coming out of the draft. I think Rui's going to be a solid defender. He's I don't know his wingspan. But he's athletic enough, and he's got good size. Um, the other negative, as I mentioned before, is that he's not even the best player on his team. It like mm. Brandon Clark is. I you know that I love Brandon Clark. He's a dog. He's a dog. The only the downside with Brandon Clark is that he's six eight with a six eight wingspan, but he can jump out of the building. Yeah, it's not stopping Zion from being drafted first overall. Yeah, I also don't know if uh, Rui is better than, like, Ty Jerome, you know? Like, (laughs) I really don't know. All right, you just lost me. Sorry. (laughs) That was the Gonzaga point guard. But in lighter news than this terrible Rui Hachimura debacle, we did hire a Vapobo. Vpoo, Vice President of Basketball Operations. Dylan, tell us about him. The pronunciation of this man's name is Sachin Gupta. Mm. There are probably a lot of people who are going to say Sachin or Sachin, but I looked up online and this Indian lady said it was Sachin Gupta. Nice. It's a common name in India, Sachin Gupta. Yeah, I actually, when I looked him up, there was like several other Sachin Guptas with Wikipedia pages and he did not have one. Yeah, so, like, very common name. He's mm-hmm. like a John Brown of India. <laughs> but the the most exciting thing that I found was he created our favorite thing to do, the ESPN trade machine. Whoa! That is so cool. Yeah, I was actually reading uh, John Krasinski's athletic article talking about Sachin, 
And apparently he is just a big time trade junkie. Like he's always oh. tinkering, trying to like move, you know, just get incrementally better through trades, which is something the Timberwolves have really been lacking. Get ready for like, some player movement. For real. I feel like the, the trade deadline for the Timberwolves, there's n- like if there's any movement, it's only a major, major trade when really some of the best value per dollar you can get in trades is with the smaller stuff, just tinkering, moving some small things around. Getting Stanley up, Johnson off of your team. Right. Opening up space for you know something big in the future. You know, Just creativity, it seems like he's bringing, which... The um, the Timberwolves front office has been lacking, but uh, he's always he's always questioning the norm. Mm. Questioning the norm. That's Gerson Rosas's mission, right? He said he's going to question the norm of everything the Timberwolves are doing. But so far, it's got us questioning the pronunciation of all the front office's names. Am I right, Dylan? Including Rui Hachimura. Everyone's name is just a little bit more difficult to pronounce than last year, and I'm enjoying that. You know what would be perfect? If we ended up Rui Hachimura and Sekou Dumbaya. Those are going to be our draft picks this year. (laughs) (laughs) They'll uh, drop to us at uh, 15 and 16 when we trade trade down. (laughs) Somehow. Dream come true. Dream come true. Um, But he... uh, Yeah, so Sachin has also been... He was the right-hand man uh, with Sam Hinkie in Philadelphia during the process, which has me really excited because I'm a big Hinkie fan. He was an advisor to Daryl Morey, and the former, he left his job as assistant GM of the Detroit Detroit Pistons to come here. Um, The Detroit Pistons, as you know, got Stanley Johnson off their team, as you mentioned, and made the big blockbuster trade, Tobias Harris, for Blake Griffin. I'm not sure whether this trade is catastrophic or not, but the best possible outcome happened this year for them in that trade. So the risk ended up being worth it. Uh, Blake made third-team All-NBA, and they made the playoffs for the first time in a while. So You know, I, right now that trade looks to be pretty beneficial for both teams. The Clippers managed to make the playoffs, even though they ended up shipping off Tobias Harris, and they cleared that contract off their books and have two max slots and a playoff roster going into the offseason. So, but doesn't matter now because Suchin is with us. That's right. Welcome to the Timberwolves, Suchin. The Coast to Coast NBA podcast would like to extend our warmest welcome. And how do you say welcome in Hindi? Hindi? I don't know. Well, there is more than one language in India, right? We don't know what language he speaks. Let's not be presumptuous. Uh, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, Sagathi. I don't know if I pronounced that right. Well, anyway. Welcome, Sachin. <laughs> we're glad you're here. You seem like a great mind, and we're happy to have you on the Timberwolves. Also, I just love the browning of the Timberwolves admin team. A Hispanic man. slowly browning. Just very Indian slowly man. browning. Yeah, yeah, very slowly. But, you know, things take time. Things take time. Um, Pretty soon, hopefully hopefully, Kevin Garnett's going to get hired on the coaching staff. Yeah, you know, I bet he's down with what's <laughs> happening right now. I bet he feels really good about these offseason moves. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's enough about the Timberwolves for now. I'm sure there will be some more news coming in the next couple weeks. Right now, we're going to continue 
our in memoriam series for the players that uh, the teams that have been eliminated from the playoffs. Since we last did our in memoriam, there have been two more teams eliminated from the playoffs as we head into the NBA finals. So first, we remember the Portland Trailblazers. Dylan? I fucking hate this. Here lie the Portland Trailblazers. Hey, this is Terry Stotts. I'd like to say a few words for my team. When you try your best but you don't succeed When you get what you want but not what you need When you feel so tired from Golden State sweep Stuck in When the tears come streaming down your face When you lose something you can't replace Use of knowledge When you love someone but it goes to waste Could it be They rode high across the Oregon Trail through the first two rounds before shitting the bed and dying of dysentery. And by dysentery, we mean dissing Terry Stotts by letting the Warriors come back from double digits in three of the four games, as Portland lost the series four games to zero on May 20th, 2019. But if we never try, we'll never know just what we'll conference finals appearance in the Damian Lillard era, they overcame the Yusuf Nurkic injury. Dane had one of the most iconic playoff shots of all time, and C.J. McCollum finally proved Jennifer wrong. Dylan, congratulations to the Trailblazers. What an amazing season. And they overcame the death of their owner, Paul Allen, and they just they overcame a lot of adversity this year, and I want to extend some gratitude to one of our fellow small market teams for giving us something to watch this year well into the playoffs. This one goes out to my friend, Paul Allen. Tears stream 
God, does it just keep doing this? All right, let's fast forward. All right, all right. come on. We're getting there, don't worry. Ugh. Yeah, we get a tear stream. Blah, 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 blah. All right, blah, here we go. Blah. Starts will guide you home and ignite your bones, and I will try to fix you. I just love a small market with two historically underrated players, although I'm not sure if Damian Lillard is going to be underrated anymore yeah i'm not sure if cj's underrated either yeah but historically <laughs> they've been underrated you know yeah small conference or small market from small schools mm-hmm. nobody believed in them and now look look at where they are they led their team to the conference finals against the best team in the nba and of course got swept but they had a chance <laughs> They had a chance to win. They had a chance in three of the four games. I know. Mm. I wish they could have won one. I tweeted out that I hope I hoped that Warrior the Blazers won Game Four just so people could like Damian Lillard again. Because as soon as the Blazers started losing, the Dame hate was loud. So maybe Dame will stay under underrated, and we'll be able to still love this team. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's it's the Warriors. You know, they tried their best. Um, anyway, looking forward for next year. So this team is pretty stuck how they are. Um, they're $6 million below the tax right now with most of their core players coming back next year. Uh, they will have to re-sign Rodney Hood, Seth Curry, and uh, Al-Faruq Aminu if they want to keep them. I believe they have early bird on Rodney Hood and they have full bird on Al-Faruq Aminu. Uh, so they could resign them within the constraints of their um, cap situation. But it seems like pretty much regardless of what they do, they're going to have to be in the tax next year, which for a conference finals team is totally worth it, I would think. Uh, yeah. They've got their pick next year, which is 25. And I guess really what they're going to do is they're going to run it back and hope for internal improvements You know, from Zach Collins. Maybe more improvements from Mo Harkless. They've got some young guys that could maybe hop in and play. Anthony Simons and Gary Trent Jr. Yeah, Gary Trent Jr., Apple Valley, baby. Yup, yup. Here's what I would want as a Trailblazers fan. I think it's time to finally move on from CJ. Mm. I, think, I think that he has... Uh, I think he has slightly better trade value and he means a little bit less to the city of Portland than Damian Lillard. Well, and so a, I, a little I think, bit. I mean, yeah, well, a lot, but uh, a little bit more trade value. Yeah. And so if they could get CJ out of there, maybe they need someone who can play off ball. They would need like a Clay Thompson type. Um, maybe they trade for Andrew Wiggins. They definitely need more size in their backcourt. And I don't know where they go from there because it seems like that's what every NBA team's looking for. Yo, trading for Anthony Wiggins or Anthony, Andrew Wiggins, that's some foolish shit. <laughs> that would make my life. Um, here's the thing. I think that we learned this year, or we are currently learning this year, that making getting swept in the conference finals 
and then trading one of your best players can actually be really beneficial to your team. Exactly. So long as you're trading for one of the best players in the NBA, a disgruntled superstar who also happens to be very good and maybe dealing with a mysterious injury. Does that sound like anyone who might be available for trade? Uh, Nurkic and CJ for Anthony Davis? That's what I'm saying, yo. That's what I'm saying. Or what about Nurkic and CJ for LeBron James? Why Nurkic and CJ? What? Whoa. The Lakers would never (laughs) do that. The Lakers, like, I could foresee a world where the Lakers have to trade LeBron James because that's what LeBron wants. But I can't foresee a world where he gets traded to Portland. I can foresee, though, (laughs) would, would New Orleans do... CJ, Zach Collins, number 25 for Anthony Davis. I think that they'd have to give up Nurkic. You think? Yeah, I think that they'd want uh, an established big hmm. to make up for that, to make up for the loss of Anthony Davis. And I, and I don't think that Collins is established enough yet. He's athletic, and he showed up really well in the Western Conference semis, but... Yeah, I think there would have to be a little bit of finagling to make that math work. Because I think CJ and Anthony Davis make about the same. But the if the it, Blazers like the took each on... one more... Or... Yeah, if the Blazers took on Solomon Hill... Solomon Hill. That would be mm-hmm. that would work. It, it would be unfortunate that the Blazers would have to take on Solomon Hill. Is um, Solomon Hill dead after this year, though? Or is he dead after next year? I think he's got this like one more year, which is really unfortunate. Because I think he was a 2016 contract. Yeah. Okay. Well, so those are all going to be expiring next year. But I'm not. I didn't invent the trade machine, so I actually don't know if that'll work off the top of my head. Uh, so that's a yeah. that's a Gupta question. Anyway, that's enough about the Trailblazers. We're going to move on and remember the latest. Oh, do you have something else to say? I f- I felt really bad for this team last year, and I feel really bad for this team this year. So uh, maybe they'll prove me wrong again and bring it all back. I feel good for them. I like I'm I'm just nothing but proud of of and for them. I'm proud. I am proud, but I also just I wish that they would have been able to get one or two. Yeah, it would have been nice. Would have been nice. All right. On to the latest team eliminated from the playoffs, the Milwaukee Bucks. Dylan. Hello, my name is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Hulu has live sports, but also I will be back in the finals someday. That's also smart. That I know, tell them I won't be long. Hello, Kawhi. They'll be happy to know that as you saw me go, I was singing this song. Oh, oh, oh. We'll meet 
Although Giannis had an MVP season, totally Kyle's fat ass and totally Claw's suction cup hands held strong as the Raptors came back from falling down 2-0 to zero to shoot down the Bucks four games to two on May 25th, 2019. Praise be to Six God. And now we remember their accomplishments. They had the best Bucks regular season since 1980. Giannis is MVP, probably. And Chris Middleton made his first All-Star game. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, Dylan, the Bucks had an amazing season, but ultimately, pretty disappointing way to end it. I did not see them losing four games in a row. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think anyone saw four in a row, but it was really the only way that the Raptors could win that series. I don't know if they could win a game seven at that point on the road, but but they took care of business. Kawhi's amazing, and I don't think that there's really much to take away from Giannis. I mean, of course he needs to develop, he needs to develop some type of shot, and he needs to learn how to not have to dribble when he's playing as much. Right. I think that when he started doing that kind of thing, that was really when Kawhi started taking advantage of him. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I mean, Giannis is still a top three player in the NBA, and congratulations to Milwaukee for finding that. Yeah, absolutely. And he's. it seems like he's going to be MVP. Um, I saw on Reddit someone had compiled like a bunch of people who had MVP votes, media people, and they had said their votes in articles or podcasts or whatever. And the vast majority were uh, Giannis. So it certainly seems like he'll be the MVP. Um, I think you're right. I mean, at the end of the day, it's Kawhi and role players versus Giannis and role players, essentially, are the teams. And Mm -hmm. Kawhi has been here before. Ibaka has been here before. Kyle Mm -hmm. Lowry has been here before. Marcus Gasol has been here before. Danny Green. Danny Green has been here before. You know, <laughs> no matter how poorly he played. I mean, even Fred Van Vliet has played important minutes in the playoffs. Even mm-hmm. Norman Powell. You know, like pretty much everybody on Toronto's uh, Toronto's roster has played some sort of playoff minutes. Whereas you look at mm-hmm. Milwaukee and Giannis has never been here before. Paul <laughs> Hall's hurt. Paul Gasol's hurt. Eric Bledsoe, Eric dead, so it seems. Um, You've been thinking about that for way too long. No, that literally just came to me right now. I know. It was horrible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, The fact that I thought about it at all means I was thinking about it for too long. Did we talk about George Hill? I forgot. Oh, George Hill. I mean, he's their most seasoned playoff person like period he's he has the most playoff experience on that team and yet he was such a drag to lebron james right in game one of the nba finals last year right but when he missed that but we remember george hill of the pacers we remember george hill of the spurs like he's had a long career filled with mostly winning he's been there yeah he's like you know he's like jeff teague He's just one of those point guards who you look back and it's like, oh, Jeff Teague was in the playoffs almost every season he played. Coincidentally, the player who replaced George Hill on that Pacers team. Right. right. Yeah, absolutely. That's interesting. Very, very interesting. 
But yeah, it just wasn't enough. They didn't have enough players who had a resume. And mm-hmm. resumes matter when you get to the when you get to the playoffs. And yeah. I know that we were saying that Kawhi had all these role players. They're they're basically playing as role players, but mm-hmm. they're really overqualified role players. Like Gasol, he's been an All NBA second team player, hasn't he? Uh, I mean, he's at least been an yeah. All NBA player. Yeah, and he's been All Defense two times. Yeah, he was Defensive Player of the Year. He was. Yes, he's so underrated. Yes, like. I will never I I the NBA will never respect what Marcus Gasol is. Mm-hmm. And uh Danny Green, I mean he's played important minutes in in a final in the finals. He was on fire. Was it the 2013 or 14 finals? 2014. He could not miss from 3. Yeah, people and, were talking about him being finals MVP that year. Right? Yeah. And then you get to Kyle Lowry who is a former All-NBA player and you get to Pascal Siakam, and he's going to be most improved player. Yeah, above Chris Middleton, who yeah. was a highly improved player. Mm-hmm. Just with the versatility and the ability for all those players to complement Kawhi Leonard, and for Kawhi Leonard to complement them as well, I think it looks like Kawhi plus role players. But there's every single one of those role players is way overqualified yeah. to be an actual role player in the NBA. Fred Van Vliet almost won. Great. He got third place in most improved player voting last year too. I mean, they, like they just got they got guys. They got a lot of really good yeah. guys. And you know, in in retrospect, we should have known that the Bucks, a team that played Pat Connaughton twenty two minutes a game in the playoffs, probably wasn't going to make the finals. Yeah, you know, you yeah. you need a lot of guys, or you need three amazing guys I, i'm gonna be honest i i did see this coming i be like if you would have asked me at the beginning of the playoffs we didn't really talk about it much but i probably would have picked toronto to get to the finals did you not um, though text me at the beginning of the series after the bucks went up and uh, the first yeah, game you said it feels a little <laughs> I sweepy i did and I, I, the, only, <laughs> the only the only reason for that was because Giannis was having his own yeah but I, I can't blame you the one thing I did want to bring up was um, was that when you, when you see a team that plays the way Bud plays and the way, the way that Mike D'Antoni plays, where they have these systems, where they have these systems where there are these players plus people who will be shooting threes for them out, for in, as outlet guys. Those teams, when you see them four or five or six times in a row, they start to become a lot more predictable. Mm-hmm. Bill Simmons had author David Epstein on his podcast last Thursday, I believe. And he was talking about how in sports, a lot of these reactionary sports don't have as much to do with physical skill, but have to do with the anticipation of what is going to happen. And I think when you're a team that's as repetitive as the Bucks were, which is give Giannis the ball, let him pass it if he isn't go, gets into trouble, but let him drive. Mm-hmm. Um, just drive and kick, drive and kick, drive and kick. When you're doing that over and over again, it just becomes too predictable. And maybe that isn't even a great observation, but I think that the same thing happened with happens with D'Antoni and Houston. And I just don't know if these coaches who are unwilling to change their system at that much around uh, when they're around different teams, 
I wonder if they're going to be able to have the success that they want to have or that they deserve to have as really generation-defining coaches, both of them. Mm. That's a fascinating point, Dylan. I'm not sure. I will say the Bucks. it did seem like they were able to play differently against the Warriors. Earlier on in the year when they were playing in Golden State, they destroyed Golden State from the paint. Mm-hmm. And every every other time, they're just trying to get lucky on their three-point shots. Right. And and if you're just going to play the math, it's just going to get repetitive. Anyway. Absolutely. I mean, that it's essentially the same system as the Houston Rockets. It's just <clears throat> the primary ball handler's offense is inverted, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because we both saw... We we saw those teams fall four games to two. Um, although the the series ended up being very different, but you just I just wonder how far a math team can can go because we it, it doesn't seem like we've seen a math team make it to the finals. Yeah, it just depends way too much on repetition yeah. and believing that. No matter how much you shoot, it will the percentages will work out in your favor in the long run. But mm. but yeah, uh, the real world works differently, and athletes who see things happen more than once will start to catch up to that. Especially elite ones like Kawhi Leonard, who was just a defensive monster against them after Game Two. Wow! All right, some deep NBA thoughts for our listeners to chew on. Uh, we are. Running a little short on time, so we're going to move on to the last thing of this podcast. Dylan did a little research. On our last pod, we had a conversation about if Andrews in the NBA always get overpaid. And Dylan came back with a top five overpaid Andrews of all time. Go ahead, Dylan. So I wanted to start this off by giving you an idea of Andrews in the NBA. The single greatest Andrew of all time in the NBA, his name is Andrew Tony. He played for the Sixers in the 80s, and early on in his career, he won the championship in 1983. He was an all-star in, I believe, 1983 and 1984. He's a two-time all-star, and he was a pivotal member of on that 1983, that amazing 1983 Sixers team. He ended up getting compression fractures in his heels, and that led to the demise of his career. Uh... The Sixers medical staff made him play through it because they didn't believe that he was injured. Hmm, sounds like Markel Fultz. Mm, Joel Embiid. But it's just so sad that his career ended up being cut short. Charles Barkley called him the best player he ever played with. He said, when I first got to Philadelphia, everyone kept asking me, how's Dr. J? What's Moses like? How about Mo Cheeks? I told him, they're all fine, but wait till you see Andrew. Andrew was the best player he ever played with. Danny Ainge called him the toughest guy I ever guarded. He was nicknamed the Boston Strangler because of what he did at the Garden. Damn. This guy was a fantastic NBA player. The Boston Strangler. (laughs) I love how you sound like the Monsters, Inc. lady when you say that. Mike Wazowski. (laughs) Mike Wazowski. Okay. I love that movie. In 1988, Andrew <laughs> Tony's career ends, and they ended up paying him $2.5 million over the next four years. Not much when it, when it comes to uh, kind of 
ending your walking career, uh, Andrew Tony would complain about barely being able to walk mm. later on in his life. And uh, so, is he still with the us? Life, I believe so. Oh, I bet his lower body hurts so bad all the time. But yeah, it's really too bad. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, and and guess where I got those quotes from Charles Barkley and Danny Ainge? Uh, a Jackie Mack. Hey, she gets the in best. The Baltimore quotes. Sun. She gets 1991. the absolute. Oh damn! Yeah. Damn, Jackie Mack. Yep, she's been doing work for a while. I love her. Anyway, on to my five gri- or five most overpaid Andrews. <laughs> my fifth most overpaid Andrew is Andrew DeClerc. I've never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> he played ten seasons in the NBA Damn. and made eighteen million dollars. Now, in terms of those NBA numbers back in the two thousands and nineties. That's an averagely paid player. Yeah. But he really couldn't start. And the most points he ever averaged in an NBA season was eight. The most minutes he ever averaged was 23. Mm. So not that great of a player. Um, And he ended up making $20 million out of it. Congratulations. Hey, not bad. Andrew DeClerc. Not bad. There aren't that many Andrews in, in basketball. In, NBA history. Yeah, surprise uh, to learn. So I, I really had to fish. My fourth most overpaid Andrew in the NBA, a fellow Canadian ah, with our own Andrew. Yes. Andrew Nicholson. Ooh, I remember him. Yeah, he played in Orlando, and he played well enough to get a contract that was four years for $26 million with the Brooklyn Nets. His contract was subsequently traded to the Portland Trailblazers, where it was extended over seven years. And now, until the year 2024, Andrew Nicholson will be making $3 million per year for sitting on his bum. Damn. Never draft an Andrew from Canada. Yo, this dude is ugly, too. No offense to him. Andrew Wiggins isn't... He's no Brad Pitt himself. Yeah, but Andrew Nicholson... He's got a busted ass droopy face. I'm that sorry. Draymond Green esque face. I don't need to be mean. Yeah. He's but he did make he did make uh like thirty million dollars in the NBA, so you can be mean to him yeah, with punching up. He's he has met our threshold for meanness. <laughs> My third most overpaid Andrew and the second greatest Andrew in NBA history. The Australian Stallion. The Aus- the Australian Stallion. Hey. Andrew Bogut. Ooh. Andrew Bogut has made $115 million throughout his NBA career. He was the former wow. number one overall pick with the Bucks. What has he played? 15 seasons? 13? This is his 14th season in the NBA. Damn. Who knew that he would last this long? He's... He was, I believe, All-NBA third team in 2010, With which the was a pretty light time for NBA centers. Yeah. He was All-NBA, uh, All-Defensive team in the past, right, as well? Yeah. 2014-2015, uh, he was on the All-Defensive team. Nice. I don't know if he was uh, first team or second team. Those are always kind of bullshit, though. Like, they always come out, I'm like, Really? Yeah, like, 
I don't know how well Eric Bledsoe is going to age, mm-hmm. but uh, that pick this year was interesting, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone. Sorry for, sorry for the tangent, but everyone saw they were like, "Oh, look at how he's guarding James Harden from behind." Wow, what a <laughs> it, ingenious! It was interesting. <laughs> it was interesting. That was, <laughs> but it turns out he wasn't even the third best player on his own team. No, he was not. And now he's being paid. He might be one of the most overpaid Eric's. That'll be a different list. Ooh, yeah, I can't wait for that one. <laughs> Eric Dampier. Anyway, Andrew Bogut, you're our third most overpaid Andrew. Surprisingly not our first most overpaid Andrew, making $115 million. He's he's made so much money. He was an important championship player, like fifth or sixth best, best player on a championship team. And he was an All-NBA third, third team player, so he That's deserved right. some, of his, some of his money. Yeah. Who is uh, s- number two? My second most overpaid Andrew is the one and only Andrew Bynum, who made $70 million Mm. over the course of eight seasons in the NBA. Mm. So if you were to stretch that out to 14, he would, I mean, he made more per season than Andrew Bogut. That may be true. Andrew, yeah, yes, that is true. I just did quick math in my head. Mm -hmm. Not exact, but quick math. Um, so he made a lot of money, and he was a one-time All-Star. Nice. In 2012, I think that turned out to be a slight mistake <laughs> in the realm of history. Yep. Uh, he was also a one-time All-NBA player, but that was in the same era where he, where I was saying the center position was quite light. He was a, the All-NBA second team in 2012, though. Hmm. For reference, the third team player was Tyson Chandler. Mm. Yeah, tough time for centers. Not not horrible, but yeah. Was Dwight great. Howard the first team, or was that post-Dwight Howard? That was Dwight Howard was the first team All-NBA center, but I think it was probably at the end of the Dwight Howard reign. Mm. Yeah, so Dwight Howard coincidentally would be taking over for Andrew Bynum the next year, I believe. That's fun. And Andrew Bynum, you made way too much money. You ended up uh, going from team to team, and I don't know what happened in the end of your career, but you had a lot of injuries, and you ended up becoming an overpaid NBA player. I think he may have died in Indiana. It's possible. Here lies Andrew Bynum. And our number one Andrew, overpaid Andrew? Unfortunately, the number one overpaid Andrew, the other Canadian. Oh, no. Andrew Wiggins, no. who in his first five years made $50 million in the NBA. Wow. And in his first nine, he will have made $172,560,293. That is a full $100 million more dollars than Andrew Bynum made. <laughs> but who's counting? Granted... Right now, salaries are higher than ever, but it doesn't matter because he will make more money in the last year of his contract than Andrew Nicholson made in his whole career. (laughs) He is going to make over $200 million in the NBA. He might have a chance at making more money in the NBA than Kevin Garnett 
Oh my god. Who is currently the highest paid NBA player of all time. I'm not saying it's a likelihood, but I'm saying there's a chance. Whoa. All it takes is one more stupid team in four years. That's crazy. But somebody else is gonna pass that record before him, like Chris Paul or Blake oh, yeah. Griffin or oh, Russell yeah. Westbrook Let's... or John Wall or <laughs> We can only hope. Wow, that's crazy. All right, Dylan, thanks for all that research. Our final bit of this podcast is a finals preview. It's the NBA Finals starting on Thursday. It's Woo! Raptors versus Warriors, Kawhi versus Steph, Bob Myers versus Masai Ujiri, Drake versus Jessica Alba, who I think may be the biggest celebrity Warriors fan. What about Smash Mouth? Did you hear Smash Mouth was giving Drake crap Smash on the IG? Mouth. Or on Twitter? Oh yeah. my God, that's that right. is so embarrassing. They rep the Bay Area. Can you imagine being Smash Mouth? Just how embarrassed you would be all the time. <laughs> I don't think they're embarrassed. I think that they're very proud of the all the money that they made from their three or four hits. That is so stupid. I would be happy to be a Smash Mouth member. I mean, I don't know if I would be happy with the rest of my life, but I would. I, <laughs> Hey, I would take the first five years of their career. Would you be happy 20 years later still playing All-Star? I don't know if they're still playing it. I would stop playing it. I'd start doing other things. But I would have made as, enough money from All-Star to be able to do other things. Yeah, you just you have a one-hit wonder. You start a recording studio and production company. And bada-bing, bada-boom. You forgot Walking on the Sun, and I'm a believer. I'm a believer, but... yeah. <laughs> Hey, that's enough to raise a family on, though. Oh, God, more than enough. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Once again, we're only punching up. Come on, Shrek 2. Shrek 2. All right, on to the, war- uh, on to the finals preview. So first, we'll talk about the overwhelming favorites in this finals, the Golden State Warriors. So they're coming off a sweep of the Blazers. Uh, Steph Curry is on a tear on a fucking tear during the blazers series steph curry averaged 36 and a half points 8.3 rebounds and 7.3 assists per game my jaw has dropped my jaw is really dropped so this warriors team is a, a throwback to the fun warriors of 2015 steph clay and dre ball movement um, lobs to the dunker spot you know, Steph doing his fancy dribbles and doing a crazy pass and the deep threes. It's like it's very throwback and they've been really fun to watch. And this is possibly Steph's first chance at righting the wrongs of 2015 and 16 and actually becoming a finals MVP, actually playing the way that he should mm-hmm. in an NBA finals. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not really rooting for the Warriors, but I am rooting for Steph to be finals MVP because I think he deserves it. Um, if the Warriors have to win, I guess I would have to agree with you. Yeah. So some interesting storylines for this Warriors squad is that obviously KD and Boogie have been out for a while. Boogie for longer than KD. There is a seeming possibility that KD and Boogie could be back for the finals, although it seems like Boogie is closer to being able to play than Kevin Durant is. Boogie's been cleared for contact. KD has not. It's yeah. been over two weeks. He hasn't been cleared for any contact. Mm-hmm. 
his injury is looking like a grade two calf strain. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty significant because a grade one calf strain, the timetable is two weeks before you can make a pretty strong recovery. What what a normal athlete would call a full recovery, but an NBA athlete, maybe not quite by two weeks. But he hasn't even been cleared to contact people. And this has been, we've had three weeks now. Now, the difference between a grade one and a grade two calf strain is significant because it's not just like, oh, another two weeks will be added on. It's five to eight weeks before that player will be fully healed. Right. And to be honest, I read online uh, from the doctor at Pro Football Doc. Uh, I love his account. He always answers people's questions on professional athlete injuries based on their the film. And he said that, the biggest issue if this is a calf strain is that it will be nagging after he um after he does get healed it will still nag him for a period of time mm. this means that the earliest kd would show up on this timeline of a grade 2 calf strain if it even is what he has he might have a grade 3 and then he's out until the next until next season for sure but uh if it's a grade 2 uh and this is what it's looking like he wouldn't be coming back until game four. Mm. I don't know if he's even going to be able to come back for that. And if it's at the end of that, if it's eight weeks, he's not coming back for the finals. Right. And, you know, that that whole raises the whole question of where is the series at at that point? You know, a lot more even. Yeah. Will will the Warriors actually improve by having Katie back or will they will it be funky reincorporating back in after playing very differently for the past three weeks, two weeks. And this is why it's so confusing to me. They have the best odds to win the championship that they've had other than last year in 2018 when everybody was healthy. Right. Well, I mean, we know that the Steph Clay Dre combo works super well. Like I, I, I get that, but I think that this Raptors team is with the best player possibly in the league just as good as those Cavs teams that didn't have Kevin Love or Kyrie Irving for periods of time. Right. You know what I mean? So there was never a quite a full strength Cavs team either. My question is where who is guarding Kawhi on this Warriors team? Is it you know, some combination is it Draymond from the jump? Is it Iguodala? Is it Clay Thompson? Who who are I you th- putting on Kawhi for most of the game? I think it has to be Iguodala. Iguodala was the LeBron stopper mm-hmm. in 2016-15 yeah. and ended up winning finals MVP. But even at that, you have to worry about Iguodala being able to hold up over... This is going to be... a. F- this isn't going to be a four-game series. No. And Iguodala is 34 now? 35? He's 35. 34? 35. Mm-hmm. And how he's going to be able to hold up against the best player in the league, it's a completely different task than anything he's seen thus far. Yeah, and he's been playing a lot of minutes this playoffs, especially since KD went down. So I am not liking that matchup for the Warriors. I mean, luckily they have a lot of different bodies to throw at him. I mean, I I imagine, I imagine that we will at times see Steph, Clay, Dre, McKinney, even Looney on Kawhi, you know, throughout throughout the series. You know, I, I'm sure that the Steph? Raptors... No, no, no. I don't think that we're going to see Steph. So I didn't mean to say Steph. I meant Andre. Iggy, yeah. Okay. Um, 
My apologies. I mean, okay. if if the Raptors can get that switch, that is ideal. Uh, right. But I imagine the easiest switch to get is gonna get is gonna be that Looney switch, um, or Cousins, which would be even better. Dear God, if Cousins can't come back, Cousins doesn't make them any better, especially not against the Raptors because uh, they've got Marcus All, which is a cousin stopper, like <laughs> easy cousin stopper. I was watching Stephen A. Smith like say that. Something about like how Gasol is not Boogie Cousins, and I'm like, no, Gasol's better than Boogie Cousins right now. Yeah, by a lot. Just go back and watch how Gasol play, like shut down Joel Embiid. You can say, yeah, watch how whatever he can actually move. Yeah, you can say whatever about Joel Embiid being injured or shitting his pants or whatever, but Gasol made his life really hard. Made his life he did really it. really hard. He did it on the Grizzlies. He's doing it now. He will always be in Embiid's head. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Golden State Warriors have the best offense. The Raptors have the best defense. Uh, the, I think the biggest question as always with the Warriors is can their bench stay afloat or rather can the Raptors take advantage of those times when one of the big three is off the court? Cause what the, what the trailblazers didn't do in their series, every time those, the the lineups would come up where it was like Quinn Cook and Clay Thompson and McKinney and Yurepko and Looney. The Trailblazers would not take advantage and they would not push that lead. You know, those bench units or Jordan Bell. Jordan Bell really decimated the the Blazers a lot. But I mean, let let's be honest. Let's look at the Blazers bench and the and the Warriors bench and the Blazers bench isn't any better than the Warriors bench. This is a completely different Raptors team that yeah, has a bench that will produce. Yeah. Yeah, that's the hope. If Fred Van Vliet can make his shots, Serge Ibaka has to make his shots. And then one of their other three bench players, OG Ananobi could he, be back. There's been no word. So my hopes for OG Ananobi are tied <laughs> to Kevin Durant's, essentially. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, yeah, I yeah. thought OG was going to be the difference maker in the Eastern Finals. I really did. And not hearing from him made me kind of worried then. In this one, I don't know if OG is a is a huge difference maker for them because I don't I think most of his most of the advantage that they get from him is like switching ability and being able to be uh versatile defensively. Um and I don't think right. they're going to need that as much here because they don't have as much size to cover. And right. And honestly, though, at the end of the day, like, do how bad do you really want a uh, in, inexperienced player who hasn't played NBA exactly. basketball in months <laughs> to come in and play against the best team in the league in the finals? It would have been you nice know, if it, he it, got like the Malcolm Brogdon minutes at the end of Game Six or something. But yeah, yeah. But it would have been in really lieu nice. of that. It, it's looking like uh, it's looking like their hopes are attached to Van Vliet covering Curry in the one game that they played uh, against yeah. Curry because Curry was hurt for the other one. This was back in December. Van Vliet was guarding Curry on like seventy five percent of uh, of all of Curry's touches, and Van Vliet shut him down. Mm. I think he was like one for six. And he ended up scoring 10 points in that game. And if he's just going to be chasing Curry around screens, there's a chance. There's a chance for the team. Um, 
I think one good thing about the Raptors is that Kyle Lowry has shown up in all of the big moments. Oh, he's been the second best player in the playoffs. Ever since that weird beginning to the playoffs, mm-hmm. he's been outstanding. Absolutely. Offensively, defensively, he's been a dog. Yes. Everyone Just like was he saying... called his big big brother the big dog Kawhi himself yeah the big dog you know everyone was saying like oh well this year pascal siakam is actually the second best player on the raptors and this the late rounds of the playoffs have shown that nope it's it's still kyle lowry yeah uh siakam if they're gonna have a chance is gonna have to be a lot more consistent just make your shots collect your assignments and he's gonna be matched up on curry he was matched up on on Bledsoe last round. He's going to have to be matched up on Curry at, at moments during this, and he's going to have to show uh, his perimeter defense in this series. I believe. I mean, they'll catch him on the switch, but he's not. They, he's not going to be the primary defender of Curry. I he I feel like he was only the primary defender of Bledsoe because Bledsoe was not the offensive threat. Like they were going to let Bledsoe have the game, like have his game. You know, fair, and they were, yeah. and then that also gives, um, like they're gonna let Bledsoe shoot the three, which gives Pascal a little bit of ability to roam and help off and help create that wall against Giannis's drives. You know, because Bledsoe can take right. that three if, like, you can live and die by the Bledsoe three if you're the Raptors. So maybe Siakam on Iggy, or yeah, that's probably the that's probably yeah. the primary matchup. I right mean, there. I wouldn't mind seeing Siakam on Draymond either. You know, let Kawhi help off of Iguodala, and then Kawhi can just be the help monster that he has the the ability to be because there's no natural matchup for Kawhi. Um, yeah, on, and they have the perfect switch center in Marcus All, so they're going to be just switching all over the place. Yeah, and then they, I mean they really also have the ver- like having Gasol, Ibaka, and Siakam gives them a bunch of versatility with their bigs, and they can adapt to any lineup that the Warriors are going to throw at them. I think that this is going to be such a fun series. I hope that this is going to be such a fun series. I know. I can't wait to watch it. I'm playing basketball on Thursday, but it gets over right at 9, so I'm going to rush back so I can turn it on. One last note about the Raptors is they were the best three-point shooting team since the Gasol trade. And that's because, of, I believe, of all the ball movement that Gasol instills. I'm a big believer in not just bringing a passer onto your team so that they'll get you assists, Mm -hmm. like they'll just add their own assists, but that they'll change the environment of the team. And I do think that Gasol does that. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I agree. They had what thirty-two assists on forty-four um, on forty-four shots in game th- four, five, or six. Yeah, uh, last series. Yeah, it was just, they were really getting the ball around to everybody. Yo, the craziest, the craziest stat from uh, the Raptor series, game six. Kawhi Leonard had nine assists, which resulted in never does. He never does. He had nine assists, which resulted in 27 points for the Raptors. What? <laughs> yeah. Either all Thank for you, threes or and ones. Um, but Wow. Yeah, it's mad crazy. Um, wow. Yeah, I'm excited for this series. <laughs> um, Dylan, what's your hottest take of this series? Going into this series, what's a take you want to get on wax of being hot? My hottest take 
is that I think that there is a small, there's a sliver of a chance that Kawhi Leonard takes out the two greatest teams of this decade. Mm. He begins the decade, kind of the beginning of the decade, but in 2014 by taking out the Miami Heat, that amazing Dwayne Wade, Bosch, LeBron James, Miami Heat team. And now he has a chance to break up the Warriors. Wow. To break them up. To break these teams up. Not just beat them, but to demoralize them to the point that KD goes to New York. I mean, KD might already be. He's definitely going to New York already. Yeah, or he's definitely not staying already. Seems that way. But I just love the narrative of Kawhi breaking up both of these teams. Right. You know, And that's what I'm fighting for. This team is no Spurs team, but this team is pretty damn good. That's a hot-ass take. Chalinga, I believe... I believe you might have a hot ass take though that is separate from that Spurs take. Oh yeah, I have. Ooh, I have a fucking hot ass take. You know what? No, this take isn't even hot. Cause do you feel that? There's a that's a that's a frostbite. Yeah, there's a chill rolling in, because I've got a coast to coast NBA cold take of the North. <laughs> Stephen Curry is the second best player in the league right now after LeBron James. Whoa, after LeBron James is the that's the <laughs> hot take now. Hey, LeBron is Steph the, Curry, fine. LeBron is the best player in the NBA until he, uh, he, he until he doesn't make the playoffs. No, nah, man, he missed he missed a bunch of time and they were they were the 3 seed until he got hurt. So I, know, I don't want to hear that. We're in, we love the Lakers, I know. Um, and like LeBron has to really lose the top spot by having an actual horrible statistical season, you know, like his stats were still unreal this year. Yeah. Good enough for him to not make the playoffs and still make all NBA third team. Right. Right. So that's good. That's really good. Um, Steph has dealt with a lot of injuries in his career. Kind of, kind of an underrated part of Steph's career is that he's been banged up a lot. And a lot of times he's been in the playoffs banged up. And he has still had unbelievable playoff numbers. And has honestly been, even though the Warriors have won a lot, he's been one of the most underrated playoff players. Um, I mean, partially because he, he doesn't have a lot of those clutch moments. But also partially because he's been, he's been hurt. But right now we're yeah. We're the s- argument I think in 2016 was that oh Steph's hurt, Steph's hurt. Oh Draymond was that whatever. All those arguments, but it just feels like Steph has never gotten to a finals and been in stride. Well, and it feels like this could be the first time that he's been in stride. Exactly. Let's let me just r- remind you that he was 36 and a half, eight rebounds, seven assists against the Blazers, and if he can keep that rolling. If he can be a mid-30s point-per-game scorer through this finals, the Raptors don't have a chance. And Steph will have his finals MVP, and he will cement his legacy as one of the greatest point guards of all time. I mean, he already is there. And like I said, I think Steph is flirting with underrated territory. Um, playing with KD these years, people forgot about Steph. And uh, 
he is the second greatest player. Nowadays, everybody want to talk like they got something to say. But nothing comes out when they move their lips. Just a bunch of gibberish. And motherfuckers want to play like they forgot about Steph Curry. Correct. Um, All right. So, Dylan, who... I just want to temper your expectations for Steph Curry quickly because that was against a defensive backcourt of CJ McCollum and Dame Lillard who could not fight through those screens. Fred Van Vliet is a completely different defensive player. That's true. From those two. Uh, Danny Green's going to help with that. Uh, Siakam, all these guys, they're going to be able to switch onto those guys and contribute. They're playing against the best... Probably the best perimeter defense in the NBA. Probably the best everything defense That's in the NBA. That's true. But the Raptors have not faced a guard tandem like this yet. They've been really good at shutting down big players that score on the inside. I am curious to see how their defense adapts to a more perimeter-oriented game. Because even though the Bucks is a perimeter-oriented game, they're the player that you need to shut down is a 12-foot player. With right. the Sixers, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are 12-foot players. And you sh- if you shut down those two, then it's on Jimmy Butler to win you a series. And Jimmy Butler has not really proved that he's super capable of doing that. So this will be an interesting test to see just how good this Raptors defense is. But yeah, I love Steph. And uh, somebody should go back, though, and, and count... How many big shots by Dame were followed immediately by a Steph Curry blow by? <laughs> because it seemed like every time Dame hit a shot, Steph Curry would come back and just get right past him and go to the hoop. Um, yeah. Anyway, Dylan, who do you got in this series? I was going to have you say it first. Perfect. Because you have the boring pick. Yeah. I <laughs> I'm trying to be right. And so I have the Golden State Warriors winning in five games. I don't even think that that's the most likely outcome. Mm, Tell me more. I don't think that there's any way. Okay, so the Raptors have lost nine games total at home through the regular season. Damn. If you you count the playoffs, I think that that you can add one to that because of the magic loss. Mm. Actually, they they must have lost. They lost one. So they so they had eleven total games. They lost one in Toronto. I remember they lost game two. Remember or something like that. They had to have. Yeah, they split those games yeah. in Philly and Toronto in the first four games. So they've lost eleven games at home. They're a really really strong home team. They have four at home uh, in this series if they can take them that far. I think that the most likely outcome is probably Golden State in six. I don't think that the Warriors can beat this. That would imply that the Warriors would beat the Raptors twice at home out of three games. I don't think that they're going to do that. Mm. I think that they, they're going to take maybe one. But uh, the most likely outcome, I'm not saying that they can't do it. I just don't think that's the most likely outcome. I think the most likely outcome is that Golden State wins it in six on their home court. If somehow Kawhi's able to take them to a game seven, I do believe in the best player on the court in a game seven. I mean, we've seen it before in our lifetime where the best player in the world was against the best team in the world and won a game seven. Yeah. And I think that that can happen. And now he'll be on home court doing that uh, with the Drakes and the rest of the six behind him. Yeah. All of Jurassic Park behind him. Like, it's a really strong crowd. Mm-hmm. They're more excited than they've ever been. The entire country is behind them. And I 
do think that the crowd carried them to the win to some of the winning that they did against the Bucks. I think that they can carry them. I think that the minimum that the Raptors, the minimum games of the Raptors will win is two, probably. Mm. You know, but I think I'm all in on the Raptors in seven. I think that I am underrating Kawhi, and I also forgot that the Raptors have home court. But I'm standing strong <laughs> on my Warriors in five pick. All right, Dylan. What a pod. This has been so fun. I look forward to the yeah. finals on Thursday, and we'll talk about game one, I'm sure, soon. Yeah, this is our first actual good pod and feels like months. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Don't forget to follow us on the socials at Coast to Coast NBA on Twitter, at Coast to Coast NBA Pod on Instagram. Send us an email at Coast to Coast NBA Pod at gmail.com. Please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a rating and review and down, excuse me, download. I just got a new podcasting app on my phone. I just got CastBox. Are we on that? We are on CastBox, yes. Wow. And I have been downloading some episodes on CastBox. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we want to give a special shout out to Tim Komatsu uh, because every joke we say... We before we say it, we say, would Tim Komatsu get this? And if the answer is yes, we put it in. If the answer is no, we don't take it. We don't put it in. So thank you, Tim, for being our joke barometer. We our, appreciate you. Is that the right our, word, barometer? Sh- sure. He's our he's our demographic base. He's our key demographic. True. True. Friend who doesn't know anything about the NBA. Bye, Chalinga. Bye, Dylan.